So today, we are on part two of a series we're doing um, based on a book I wrote just about a year ago uh, called Secrets of Spiritual Growth, which is available for sale in the foyer after the service. And I've signed all the copies that are there. If you hold on to them for two years, you can probably sell them at a markup, you know, if it's signed. <laughs> if you bought one last week and you and you want me to sign it, I will sign it, okay? Uh, just come and find me afterwards. Um, so we're, we're on part two, and what we looked at last week was the secret of beginning your journey of faith well, and that was by, by understanding that... There, let's make... There's a cable here. I know you can't see it, but I'll lift it up so you can see it. There it is, a cable. And I want us to imagine this cable is like a line in the sand. And when you come to a place of faith, when you become a Christian, when you put your faith in Christ, when you hear and understand the gospel and believe it, it's like you cross over that line. And that line now becomes the starting point of your journey. You know, if you think of, here's another cable here, let's imagine this is when you were born. Like you're in your mother's womb here, and then the day comes that you're born, and you're born, you're in this world now, and now you start your journey through life. But when you come to faith in Christ, it's like you've crossed another line. You are born again. And Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he will not enter the kingdom of God. Just like our first birth, our physical birth is what enabled us to enter this physical world, so our second birth, our spiritual birth, is what enables us to enter the kingdom of God. And so, if, if we regard that place of faith as a brand new start where we become brand new babies, spiritually speaking. The Bible calls us babies in Christ, newly born babies in Christ. Then, that, that's a great key to help us because when you were born as a physical baby, nobody expected you to know everything, be, be fully competent, and be able to run your whole life yourself we realize that babies need help. Babies need protection. Babies need support and nurturing and parenting, and they need a particular diet that will help them grow and develop. And it's exactly the same here. Um, but very often we don't think of it that way. I know I didn't. And so today we're going to look at two secrets to do with spiritual growth. The first one is called the secret to incremental growth. The secret to incremental growth. And just like physical growth, I mean, you think even before the baby's born, it's in its mother's womb, it's growing a little bit and a little bit and a little bit more and a little bit and fingers develop. And it's amazing how early things like fingerprints develop and, and things like that. And then when the baby is born, the baby doesn't like, you know, like become an adult in three days' time or something like that. Um, the, the baby gradually grows 
into an adult incrementally. You know, you, parents will mark their kid against a wall, and they'll make a line, and then the kid will stand there. Oh, you're three inches taller now than you were before. It's all in incremental stages. However, when I became a Christian, I didn't think of it like that. And the reason I didn't think of it like that was because of the way pe I heard people share their testimonies. And then I had a little bit of a dramatic conversion experience, so people liked to put me up on a platform and get me to share my testimony. And this is how testimonies tend to go, similar to Disney movies. You know how when they get married and they all lived happily ever after? And we all know that when you get married, it's the beginning of a new adventure. It's not the end of the story, but they always make the story end there. But that's what people do with their testimonies. You know, I was born at a very young age, you know, and I went through life, and I did this, and I did that, and I joined the mafia, and I became a bad sinner, or whatever it is that they did. And then one day, I heard the gospel, and I believed in Christ, and I was forgiven, and I was saved, and I was born again. End of the journey. My journey was to Christ, and now that I have found Christ, that's the end of the journey. That, that's the way testimonies are often shared and presented. And so, when I became a Christian, I realized that I crossed a line. But I didn't think of it like this one. When I crossed the line of physical birth, it took a long, long time for me to grow into an adult. But I kind of thought that when you cross the line of spiritual birth, I suddenly realized, and I'm sure many of you have had this experience, I was now part of a church where everybody knew way more than I did. And so I thought my job was to catch up with everybody else. I need to learn everything as quickly as possible. And I better go and buy Christian books. I didn't even read comic books before. Doctor Strange I did, but that was about all. And, and now I was going to start reading books and reading the Bible, and I've got to learn, like, I've got to learn everything. It's almost like, don't get anything wrong. Don't be, like, I know you've gone your whole life believing everything wrong, but now you can't get one thing wrong. You must make sure everything's right. You know, what, what should I believe about this? What should I think about that? Is it okay to listen to this music that I listen to? Is that movie okay? What's, you know, all this kind of stuff, trying to work out, trying to work out what this new world was that I was a part of. But have you noticed that a baby doesn't do that when it's born? The baby doesn't start panicking about, uh, oh my goodness, how do I get to the bathroom on my own? Baby doesn't do that. The baby just thinks someone else will clean up my mess. I'm just a baby, right? The baby just lies and enjoys gazing about at things that nobody else can see. Like, what is it the baby's looking at, you know? And when you become a baby in Christ, you're supposed to enjoy being part of the family of God. And, and but we have that, well, I did, and I know other people do. I need to learn everything as much as I possibly can, as quickly as I possibly can, and catch up with everybody else. But today we're talking about the secret of incremental growth, and this is what I learned. When you become a Christian, you're a baby in Christ, and there is a whole stage that is the childhood stage. 
We're going to look at this next week. There are three stages of spiritual growth in the Bible. If you want to catch up, it's in 1 John. There's spiritual childhood, spiritual youth, and spiritual parenthood. Three phases of spiritual growth. And, when, and in each one, you need a different spiritual diet. And when you're in the babyhood stage, you're supposed to get fully grounded in the fact that God loves you and you're safe in His hands and in what the gospel is and get to know Jesus and all of that kind of stuff before you have to worry about whether some vaccination is the mark of the beast or what, all, the, all the other stuff that people talk about. You don't need to worry about all that. You're safe in the Father's hands. But I thought you had to learn everything as quick as possible. I thought growth was supposed to be instantaneous. Now, thankfully, I, um, I was led to Christ by a man, who he was our pastor of the church I attended, and he continued to disciple me for about a year and a half or something like that. And so sometimes I would, I remember one day I was walking down the high street and I saw some Christians out evangelizing, doing street evangelism. I mean, now I kind of like pretend I'm looking in a department store. But I was a young Christian then and I was attracted over to them. I went over to them. And they were going on about the end times and they had this little comic book that they were giving out. It was called The Beast. And so they gave it to me, and I read it, and like, it was all about the end times and about the Antichrist, and if I remember right, the Pope had fangs, and all. I mean, it was, it was weird. It was a weird thing, right? And I remember saying to my pastor, what about, when I saw him a few days later, what about, and he said, oh, don't, don't even get into all that. Don't get into all that. Look, most Christians don't believe that interpretation. Some do, but anyway, that is a secondary subject. You make sure that you grow in your relationship with God and in your understanding of Jesus. Read the Gospels. Get to know Jesus. You're a baby Christian, you know, and things like that really helped me. But then he moved away to England and became the pastor of a church in England. And so, now the only other friends I had, Christian friends, because I lost all my drug dealer friends, so now I only had Christian friends, and um, they were all kind of like at the same stage as me. None of us really knew what we were talking about or anything like that. And so, I heard Christians say things oh, be careful. Be careful of false teachers. Watch out for this evangelist. Be careful of this. Don't be led astray, and blah, blah, blah. Oh, you have, to, you have to get grounded in doctrine as quickly as possible, or you'll be led astray. And I thought, well, I don't want to be led astray. I don't have this guy now to go and say every time, what do you think about this? I'm going to have to work this out myself. And so, I began to become closed-minded to learning any new ideas about God. No, no, I've already been told the gospel. I've already been told a certain amount of teachings in the Bible, and I can't change them. And if anybody comes and says something slightly different, I need to defend my position. I need to defend my position in case what they're saying might lead me astray or something like that. And so, I began to be, get into a defense posture with the gospel. And then the other thing was this. I wanted to be a mature Christian. I saw people not realizing, okay, they have walked closely with the Lord for decades. I've only been walking with the Lord for months. But I want the relationship with God that they want, they've got, 
And because people would share stories of spiritual experiences they had, maybe an angel spoke to them in a dream, or maybe some prophetic word was given to them that changed their life, or they had a vision while they were praying, or during worship they were zapped by the power of God and healed, and it really boosted their faith and their spiritual life in a great way. I would think, okay, if I want to grow spiritually, not only do I need to get sound in doctrine, I need to have as many spiritual experiences as possible, because they seem to be like rocket boosters that boost you up. And I had had spiritual experiences. God had spoken to me in dreams that had actually led to my conversion. I had been baptized in the Holy Spirit and had the gifts of the Spirit working in my life. I had experienced a number of spiritual experiences, and every one of them had helped me take a big step forward. And so I thought, I need to have lots of spiritual experiences and get zapped all the time, and I need to defend everything I believe from the outside, outside influences. And both of those things, instead of helping me grow spiritually, hindered me from growing spiritually. And what helped me was when I came to a place of realizing this, that in the Bible, the life of faith is often likened to a journey, not to a destination, not to, oh, I'm wandering aimlessly through life, here's the gospel, I'm over the line, I've arrived at my destination, that's it. That's not how it's, that's not how it's described. It's described as that is the beginning of a new journey. And throughout your life, you will be walking with God day by day and step by step. Sometimes on this journey of faith, you will go through times when the presence of God seems so real, and you do have incredible spiritual experiences, and they do seem to boost your journey a little bit. But there will be other times that you feel like you're walking through a dry season, and there's no spiritual experiences, and you don't, you don't even feel God's presence with you during that time. But by faith, you trust Him that His promises are true, and He will never leave you nor forsake you, that even though you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil, for He is with you. His rod and His staff, they comfort you. And so you keep going through that. Yes, there will be times of spiritual highs, but there will also be times of spiritual and emotional lows. Yes, there will be times of great victory in your life, but there will also be times of great challenge and great struggle, and you only develop a deep and strong relationship with God through walking with God through good times and bad times, through highs and lows, through mountaintops and valleys. It is by, by walking with God through all that life gives that we develop a strong and deep faith. And secondly, when it comes to the things that we believe, when it comes to the things that we believe, there are some things that are crystal clear in Scripture, and they're absolutely true, and you will hold on to those, like the gospel, like who Jesus is, like what He did in the cross for you, and so on. You will hold on to them throughout the journey. But there are other things that as you go on your journey, things might become a bit clearer, and you might realize, I used to think this about this topic 
but as my views are beginning to change as my knowledge of Scripture grows, as my walk with God grows. And there are some there are some Christian doctrines that you might have believed there, but you give up here and change for something else because you are growing in your knowledge of Scripture and in your relationship with God. There might be some beliefs that were very important to you here, and as you go on your journey, you, you realize, yeah, that belief is still true, but actually in prior the priority of things, it's not as big a deal as I used to make it. I used to argue with everybody on Twitter about that, and I was just a twit. That was all I was, because it was, it's not even important, you know? And so, it's a journey through life. Let me show you, let me show you this. In the Bible, faith is like a journey. Let's look at the next slide. It's Hebrews 11. It says, it was by faith that Abraham called, uh, Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land. The story of Abraham is held up in the Bible a lot as an example of faith. And what did he do? God said to him, go on a journey. Leave where you are and begin to go on a journey. And it was on this journey that he developed his relationship with God and became a man of faith to go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. Now, look at this. He went without knowing where he was going. How would you like that journey? A, a, a mystery tour. You don't know where you're going. You don't know what the final destination is. Most of us say, yes, I will trust God if he gives me a list of exactly everything we're going to do and everywhere we're going to go. And he went not knowing. In other words, faith is journeying through life with no safety net except God Himself. You're connected to God Himself. And even when he reached the land God promised, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward. Everybody say confidently looking forward. Say this, I am confidently looking forward to what God has in store. He was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a heavenly city, a city designed and built by God. You see how Abraham, the father of faith, it, it talks about him uh, being on a journey, and the, a, a person of faith goes, even if they don't know where they're going, they trust that God will lead them. You see, when I might be on this journey, and I know all the things I believe right now, and, and what my walk with God is right now, and what I th the, the direction I think God is leading my life in right now, but it's possible that some of that might change later on in the journey. But I don't need to worry about that. Oh, what if it changes? I need a plan B, a plan C. No, I don't. All I need to do is walk with God with faith in His Word, faith in His promises, and I don't know where I'm going, but He will work it all out for me. Now, one of the biggest um, illustrations of our spiritual journey in the Bible is the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt to the promised land. And uh, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians. This is what he says in 1 Corinthians. 
Paul says, chapter 10, I don't want you to… Now, remember, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. He is writing to Christians, and he's writing to them about their spiritual journey and their faith in Christ. And now he's going to take the Old Testament story of the Exodus, an historical event, but as well as being an historical event, it is also an allegory of our spiritual life. I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, they were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate from the same spiritual food, and all of them drank from the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Now, listen to what he's saying. He's saying, the people of Israel were slaves. They, they, they lived in Egypt, and we lived in the world. They were slaves to Pharaoh, and we were slaves to the devil, were slaves to sin. God sent them a deliverer called Moses, and God sent us a Savior called Jesus. And their deliverer, Moses, came with a ministry of miracles. And our Savior, Jesus, came with a ministry of miracles, culminating in the greatest miracle of all, His resurrection from the dead. And Moses, the deliverer, led His people out of Egypt and out of slavery to Pharaoh and into the wilderness. And our Savior brought us out of sin, out of the world, and out of slavery to the devil, and brought us into the beginning of our spiritual journey. Very early in their spiritual journey, they got to the Red Sea. God parted the waters, and there was a cloud of God's presence over them. And when they walked through the sea on dry land with the water on either side, it was symbolic of us going through the waters of baptism and coming out the other side. And when they walked through the cloud of God's presence, it's symbolic of us being baptized in the Holy Spirit. They were baptized as, as followers of Moses, but we are baptized as followers of Jesus. They were given manna, bread to eat, and it is spiritually symbolic that man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's the Word of God that is our food. It is the, the, they drank from water that came out of a rock, and we drink from the Holy Spirit flowing from our rock, Jesus Christ. Let's read on. Next slide. These things happened as a warning to us. It's a real story, but it's an allegory for us, so that we would not crave things as they did or worship idols as some of them did. As the Scriptures say, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry. And we must not engage in sexual immorality, as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. You need to read the story sometime. Nor should we put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and then died from snake bites. Let's read on. Next one. And don't grumble, as some of them did, 
and they were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happened to them as examples to us. It is a picture of our faith in Christ. And since they didn't just cross, you know, leave Egypt and immediately arrive in the promised land, but they went on a journey, a journey that tested them, a journey in which they had to make a choice. Would they trust in God despite the circumstances, or would they grumble, complain, and become full of doubt and unbelief? They had to do all that. They had to experience all of that, and it's an example to us. It's written down to warn us who live at the overlap of the ages. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand, but when you are tempted, He will show you a way out so you can endure. Do you see how the whole story of the Bible is a story of journeying with God? And I want to encourage you to don't do one of these two things. Don't become a Christian and then just sit down and stop here. Well, that's it. I'm a Christian now. How long have you been a Christian? 33 years. Have you been baptized? No, I don't like water and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, uh, what do you think about such a… Oh, I don't read the Bible very much. I don't really know about that topic. No, don't do that. Don't become a Christian and stop. And then don't do this either. Don't become a Christian and think, oh my goodness, I need to buy me Calvin's Institutes of the Christian religion or some big book that's about this size because I need to cram my head full of Christian doctrine. Because it... Don't do that either. Do this. Right? <laughs> And do that for a while and drink on the milk. And then gradually grow. Grow through good times and bad times. Have your faith fully in God and in the promises of Scripture, yet always have an open mind and heart to learn new things and unlearn wrong things. And gradually go on a journey through life in which there'll be blessings, but also difficulties. But God will be with you through it all. He will provide you with everything you need, and all you need to do is trust Him. So, so this first one is this. Begin to see. Can you just jump to the next slide? Begin to see spiritual growth as a long-term, gradual experience that is sometimes boosted by God intervening in some way. You know, I, I knew a couple back in the UK, I knew this couple, I was friends, friends with them, and they, they quite often had marriage problems, and, uh, and uh, it seemed to be a big disaster every now and again, and I encouraged them, you need to go to a marriage guidance counselor. They didn't want to do any of that. They just wanted miracles all the time. They would, they would come to the church where it was like a Holy Spirit encounter night, and, and get, they would want people to lay hands, and, and we did lay hands on them. And they got zapped by the power of God every time. And then they were like young lovers for the next week until they had an argument and fell out. And instead of fixing their problems, they wanted God to just zap them again with the Holy Spirit. Could I get another zap? Could you just like knock me out for 10 minutes? I always feel much better when I get back up. You know, my wife looks so much prettier when I get back up off the floor again, you know. 
No, you need to deal with issues. Yes, by the power of the Spirit, God can help us. He can bless us and all of that kind of stuff. But it's a daily walk of uprooting the wrong and planting the right in our life. And do you know it's not just faith that is like that? Actually, all of life, whether you're a Christian or not, is like that. Not only is faith a journey, but life is like a river. All of life is like that. Life is like a river. The Bible talks about this, and if you realize this, then this is the secret to navigating change. Because here's another thing. When I crossed that line and became a Christian, and I was told a whole bunch of stuff about God and the Bible and Jesus and the gospel, and I believed it, and I thought, well, that's true, and God never changes, and this is what I have to do with my life now that I've become a Christian. Therefore, everything I believe and everything I am doing with my life should never change because God never changes. And that's what I thought. It was a mistake, but that's what I thought. As I went on, I realized that life is not like a man-made canal. You know a man-made canal that is dug out and it's in a straight line and boats can go up and down carrying cargo? But life's not like that. Life's like a river. And you can see a river for a while and all of a sudden it turns a bend and you don't know what's around the next bend. And life is like that. Even as a Christian, even as somebody that's trusting God, everything in your life might be plain sailing and you're singing about how blessed you are. And then all of a sudden, life takes a sharp turn and it's a waterfall and you're falling over the edge. Or it's white white water and river rapids and rocks and you're going to have to steer. You never know what's around the next bend of life. Life can throw anybody, even Christians whose faith is in God. Life can throw you a curveball. You don't know what's around the next bend. You don't know if it's going to be plain sailing or, or a white knuckle ride. You've got no idea what's going on there. But if you realize that, that the Bible tells us that life is like that, and in fact that passage from Hebrews said, Abraham went on his journey not knowing what was around the next bend, but he still trusted God. Look at these verses from the Bible. Let's put them up here. The Bible says this. It says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and from the Lamb. Psalm 46 says, a river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. Uh, Ezekiel 47 says there will will be swarms of living things wherever the river flows. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. The Bible talks a lot about the river of life. Think about that. The river of life. Life is a river. It is the river. It's not the river that brings life. It's the river of life. Life is a river. You know, every living thing from every insect and plant to you and me are only alive because God breathed the life force of heaven into all things. God is the life giver, and that life that He has imparted into creation, it's not a stagnant pool. It flows, and it flows like a river. And sometimes we think that life happens to us, I'm going through life, and a big tsunami came, pshoom, and knocked me over. But life doesn't happen to us. Life happens 
through us. The river of life doesn't happen to us, it flows through us. Look what Jesus said. Let's look at John's gospel. It says, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. The river of life flows through us. The issues that you face in your life came from you. Look what it says in Proverbs, talking about life flowing through us. It says this, keep your heart with all diligence, because out of it flow the issues of your life. And so, when we realize that our life is being generated from within us, and it is flowing like a river, and we are on that river. Imagine you're on a canoe, and you're on that river, and you're going down the river. You have an idea. You have a plan. We're going to stop at 12 and have a picnic when we find a nice green grassy riverbank, and then we're going to do this, and, and then we're going to do that, and we plan to finish our trip by such and such a time. You have a plan, and sometimes when you're on the river on your canoe, it goes according to plan, and sometimes the river takes an unexpected turn, and your plans don't pan out. But whether your plan is working out or whether it's not working out, God is still your God. He is still on your side. He is still for you, not against you, and He will lead you out of the situation that you're in. And so, the river of life is life itself. Not only will our faith, is our faith a journey, but all of life is a journey, you know? You're going this way, and then all of a sudden you see an attractive woman, and you get married. Woo, and I'm way off this way now. Oh, and now the two of you are going to sail into the sunset. No, you're not. Three babies have come along. Okay, your journey. Your, your journey changes. Life changes all the time. But God doesn't change. And you're as safe at the end of your journey as you were at the beginning of your journey because He was able to save you and He is able to keep you. So, let me just say this as we bring this to a close in a couple of minutes. God is not the same as my current understanding of God. God never changes, but my current understanding of God will change, and that helps me keep the journey going, okay? And then here's a second principle. Also, life Life will constantly change, and most of our emotional suffering is caused by us being attached to it staying the same. We're sailing down the river of life, and there's nice plants here, but now we're going into rough waters, and I wanted it to stay there, and, and, right? And it's gone, and it's finished. Have you ever seen a little baby? You know, you give it a little rusk or whatever these things are, and it chews around, it's all happy. Yeah, it's gone. You ate it. It's gone. Right? <laughs> I wanted it to, or a little kid with an ice cream cone. They don't want it to come to an end. It will come. All things in life change. 
You're on the boat on the canal, and you're sailing down there, and all the scenery of life will change. Life will change. Just put up with it right now. Life will change. I'll tell you one thing that won't change. I am the Lord. I do not change. Or Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Put your faith in the unchanging God. Don't put your faith in changing circumstances. And if you can do that, you will become stable. You will become strong. You will become what Psalm 1 talks about, a tree of righteousness planted by the Lord. Let's look at this. Psalm 1. Well, next one. How blessed are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the river, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Don't you want to have a stable spiritual life, a stable spiritual growth? Well, here's what Paul says in Ephesians. We're going to pray this in just a moment. Let's look at the verse first. Paul says, then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long, how high and how deep His love is. May you actually experience the love of Christ. Though it's too great for anyone to fully understand, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I want, to, I want to be a growing person, but I also want to be a stable person. I want to be like an oak tree whose roots go down so deep and they're being watered by the rivers of the Holy Spirit that no matter how strong the storms of life are, I am immovable. And I want God to produce fruit through my life, and I need to get my roots down deep, and Paul says we should pray for it. Are you with me in this? Do you want your roots to go down deep, church? Come on, let's stand up together. We're putting a prayer up on the screen now, and this prayer is based on that verse we just read. We know that all of our life is a journey, and our life will take twists and turns that we don't expect but we're going to trust God regardless of what comes our way. We also know that our faith is a journey and we will learn new things, discard old things, and our relationship with God will evolve and change over time. But when all of this change going on in our lives and all of this change going on in our faith, we also want to be stable. We want to be secure. We want to be planted. The Bible says that those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. So come on, let's lift our hands up. Let's look at this prayer. And let's say together, one, two, three. Heavenly Father, may I be filled with your Holy Spirit 
bringing me wisdom, insight and power. May my roots go down deep into the soil of your love. May my life be grounded in you and may I be filled to overflowing with all the food 